You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Hi, BroadwayCon 2020 on the third day. Woo! you all we're so glad you're here we're about to sit down but we wanted you to know we're here for the fabulous invalid part of the broadway podcast network and we're going to be filming our first live show with you so you're going to be recorded live as well in a few moments we're going to be having cast members from hadestown join us right so without further ado would you guys like to have a seat yeah let's start all right let's go Welcome to the Fabulous Invalid, Broadway's podcast, where we present essential conversations with a curated roster of some of the most interesting and influential people working in the theater today, from actors to directors to designers to everyone in between. We take the name of our show from the title of a 1938 Kaufman and Hart play, which became a loving nickname for Broadway itself. Always on the verge of decline and always bouncing back, that is The Fabulous Invalid. I'm theater savant Jamie Dumont. I'm a writer and theater critic Rob Rousseau with Stage Left at NYC. And hi everyone, I'm Jennifer Smart and I'm currently in rehearsals for the Broadway revival of Company. Yes! I'm so excited. Well, hello, Jennifer. Hi. Hello, Rob. How's it going? Wonderful. We're delighted to be here on day three of BroadwayCon. I know. I had about five different outfits on this morning because I realized as a lady up here on the stage with all of you beneath, it's all about not showing you all my business, right? So (laughs) I thought maybe I should have brought them all bells and that every time you see Jennifer Smart's business, ding. A business bell? A A business business bell. bell. That would have been helpful. I think I'm okay with my pencil screen. I didn't get the black memo, so I'm in in Navy. Come on, you got to go black. Got to do it. Uh, Well, we're excited to be here for our first ever live taping of The Fabulous Invalid. Um, And we're thrilled that we're soon going to be joined by cast members of Broadway's smash hit, Hadestown. Yes, give it up for them. Uh, You will be hearing from Reeve Carney, Eva Noblezada, Joelle Blackman, Yvette Gonzalez-Nasir, and Kay Trinidad. Yay. (laughs) But before we do that, today is sort of a reunion for the three of us because we haven't been with Jennifer in a little while because she has been in rehearsals for company. So Jen, tell us how that's going. Oh, it's been a dream come true. You know, it's a wonderful cast of... Uh, some of the most talented actors I've ever worked with. And uh, we really are a company like the title suggests. <laughs> you know, we, we're all involved in each other's scenes and we're really passing the ball and assisting so the other cast member can dunk it. You know, mm. there's, there's no I in this show. It really is we. And uh, I love that. It's a great ensemble piece. Yeah. yeah. Well, what, one of the fun things about Company, and I assume everyone who's at Broadway Con knows what Company is, right? The <laughs> landmark Stephen Sondheim, George Firth musical from 1970, um, is that the, the show is structured as a series of, like, of, of scenes where the main character, Bobby, is um, going around, and this time it's a woman, i.e. Bobby, um, and meeting all of her mari- with, with all of her married friends. So you are playing the role of Sarah, yes. um, which was originally created by Barbara Barry, yes. who we had on our show uh, earlier this season. Um, and your husband, uh, Harry, is mm-hmm. being played by Christopher Sieber, yeah. who is a longtime pal <laughs> yes, of yours please. and uh, you know, was on Broadway <laughs> last season in The Prom. Um, what's it like now playing a married couple after being friends for so many years? Yeah, we've, we have been friends for 25 years, so we complete each other's sentences at this point. Uh, it's wonderful because there's so much built-in trust already, and we have a quite physical relationship in this show, which you will hopefully come and see. Uh, And so that just makes it so easy. Although the other day he got released from rehearsal early and I had to stay. So I texted him, I want a divorce. (laughs) I wasn't having that. It's pretty extreme. (laughs) All right. I have, I have one question. Yeah. Lapone. Oh, I love her. Tell us about Patty Lapone. I love her. Well, I knew her. I was fortunate enough to have her come see disaster and she sent me a video message, which I really treasure. And so at the end of it, she said to me, good luck in your career, Jennifer, and blew me a kiss, and now we're working together, and I can't stand <laughs> it. You know, it's so incredible. Yesterday, I forgot my lunch, and she was so kind, and she said, well, have some of my salad. Jennifer, do you have half it? Half, half of my salad. And, um, and 
like an idiot, I politely declined. I'm like, it might be my only opportunity to break lettuce with Patty LaPone. <laughs> and I said no, so... I think everyone in the audience would have taken that salad. Am I, I correct? Correct. I would and have I'm had to put like, it oh, in no, a glass I box. Possibly, you, know? you idiot. Yeah. I don't know anyway. if you guys saw this, but yesterday she did a video to introduce, uh, or two days ago on Friday, yeah. she did an uh, she did a quick video at BroadwayCon to introduce your castmates. Yeah. Uh, who sang a song, and she was eating pretzels through the yeah. whole thing. And it's online. You can see it. In my opinion, so far, she won Broadway Con. <laughs> Absolutely. You, go. you gotta you got to stay nourished. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Jamie and I are so excited to see you and your cast members Thanks. in company. It opens March 22nd, Stephen Sondheim's 90th Woo! birthday yep. uh, at the Bernard Jacobs Theater. If you don't have tickets yet, make sure you get tickets, because this is going to be an incredible, incredible revival. All right, but now uh, the real reason we're here. We yes. are here to talk about Town, last season's critically acclaimed Tony Award-winning Best Musical. Yes. <laughs> Woo. Uh, based off that response, as you all uh, very much know, uh, Town intertwines two mythic tales, uh, that of the young dreamers Orpheus and Eurydice, and of King Hades and his wife Persephone on a hell-raising journey to the underworld and back. We will be joined by Orpheus and Eurydice, Reeve Carney, and Eva Noblezada in just a moment. Just one <laughs> Very one exciting. But before that, we'd like to bring out three of the other stars of the show, the Fates. So please help me and welcome Joelle Blackman, Yvette Gonzalez Nasir, and Kay Trinidad. Yay! Life ain't easy. Life ain't fair. Girls gotta fight for a rightful share. What you gonna do when the chips are down? Now that the chips are down. Have a seat. Thanks, ladies. Hey, guys. Hello. Hi. Alrighty. Um, well, the concept of the fates uh, is a theme that occurs across mythology throughout history and cultures, uh, typically represented as three goddesses uh, who are weavers of a tapestry that uh, dictates the, the <laughs> destinies of mortals. Uh, this concept, very obviously, is uh, interpolated into Hadestown. Uh, through your characters. I was wondering if you could share with us how Aeneas, uh, the writer of the show, has reimagined the fates for this musical. What has been really cool about this entire experience being in Town, is that we are allowed to bring a lot of ourselves to our characters. So initially when I know I auditioned for the role of the fate, I necessarily did not know much about Greek mythology and who the fates were. Um, as I got involved with the show, I did my own research and the fates, we decided to name ourselves uh, as the three fates. There's the fate of death, uh, Atropos, there's Lecheses, and there's Clotho. So one's, one creates life, one measures life, and the other ends life, and I'm sure you can figure out who does that. Um, <laughs> and so I think as a person, me personally, I can be somewhat intense, I can be somewhat cutthroat, um, uh, in a nice way. Uh, and um, so it, 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 it's not very hard to play this particular character. Am I answering your question? Sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, somewhere? you know, yeah. I'm, we're, we're just interested in hearing about how these, these characters are reimagined for, for Hadestown. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's, you know. I like that you named you all yeah. named each other. <laughs> well, in the Greek mythology, well, they're, they're, that's her name. Oh, not, those oh. are actual Greek. Those well, are we actual. Um, who was who? But the yeah. cool thing was when we so we all did our individual research and we came back to rehearsals the next day and we said so. I looked up some stuff about the fates. You know, we did our homework and we all agreed without discussing who we were. So. It, well, that it shows that you guys it are, was you, fate. Yeah, it really was fate. So, in my opinion, the fates are kind of troublemakers, right? They're, they're no. a little naughty, right? They're, you're the, you guys are the voices in Orpheus's head. You're quite literally the thing that blows Eurydice to make the <laughs> choices that she makes. However, you don't really interact with either of them. But sitting in the audience, as an audience member, it feels like all you do is interact with them. So how does that balance work? How did you work that out? Well, actually, what you just said was another way that it were different than the original mythology, which is in the original mythology, we are these three sisters that have a string and we measure their life and then we cut it off. And here we are, like you said, the wind. And we're also the voices in people's heads that are able to put doubt in your head or kind of steer you in the direction that will ultimately make you make the choices to fulfill your fate. And 
it's kind of testament to thoughts become things, you know, and that the power of thought, even if we're not physically touching you or you're not physically seeing us, um, which is weird because to the audience, of course, they're seeing three people physically touch her or <laughs> be in their face. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's powerful how much our thoughts can influence and how, how much we influence the gods. Like, we influence Hades. We influence everyone. So... Yeah, you're really the you're the you're the wheel that keeps everything going. You really Absolutely. are. I don't want to brag, but like, <laughs> <laughs> brag, brag away. Yeah, yeah. Well, Joelle, you were you were just talking about how you each developed your own sort of identity, mm-hmm. although you move as one unit. So I'm wondering if if each of you could share more about what makes your fate unique. Well, I play auxiliary percussion. I'm just joking. I just play. Well, I'm not. That's a technical. It sounds very fancy. Sorry, I like to say it. But I play the tam. We all play different instruments. And so I play the tambourine, and um, people like, it's very funny. People go, what is that instrument you're playing? Like, those bells? I go, they're bells on a string. <laughs> but I believe they're technically called finger bells. Finger bells. And, you know, the auxiliary I, percussion instrument. May I call is, you finger bells? Absolutely. <laughs> it's my fate name. Exactly. <laughs> so which, which of the three are you then, in terms of the three names you gave each other? So I'm Atropos. I'm Lachesis. And I'm Clatho. So there's a bird-like quality to the fates. I mean, your costumes literally have feathers on your turbans. I don't know what you're talking about. They're turbans, right? Well, I mean, look, you've all seen the show, I assume, and the way you move is bird-like. You have the feathers. Is that deliberate? Do you you have a bird thing going on? So first of all, when when we heard this question, I said... Really? I see myself as death with a feather. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm not, the, the only way I really see us as, as birds, really, is a kind of birds of prey. We're kind of watching and overseeing um, uh, all that is going on, although, and we already know the income, the, the outcome. That's how I kind of see us as birds. I love birds of prey. That's really vultures, great. Vultures, vultures, or... Mama bird who feeds their children what they need until, you know, kind of kind of leads them where they need to go. But and then. Wow, you guys really are each your own fate. It's really (laughs) no wonder you just landed on it. Right. Yeah, that's fabulous. (laughs) You never uh, you never stop moving both as a unit and also around the set. And can you tell us a little bit about the process of staging the fates and how director Rachel Chavkin and choreographer David Newman went about placing your your characters throughout the show? I mean, I think the show, since it's been around for a minute, there's been a lot of incarnations of Hadestown. Um, I think that their individual and collective vision for what they wanted for the fates and for the movement was pretty clear. And so it's kind of neat that we're on stage for most of the show. We only leave for like a couple songs. And it's kind of neat the idea of the gods always kind of watching over these mortals and watching them make their decisions and then coming in when they want. So it, it seems very purposeful that we're there. And I think it's neat too how our our movement, we're doing a lot of the same movements, but we're not identical to each other. So David was really amazing in like letting our personality and our take on the movement um, be able, you know, like he he left it open to interpretation, which is really nice. So you could see our personalities. I love that moment in Songbird when each of you articulates the music, that ding, 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 and by doing a different move each time. Every time I see the show, that's like the moment I wait for. Hey, little songbird, look all around here. See how the vipers and vultures surround you. And they'll take you down, they'll pick you clean. If you stick around such a desperate scene, see people get mean when the chips are down. How many times have you seen the show, Rob? That is, my, that is undisclosed information. Uh, I cannot excellent. share with the group. Well, I think now would be a good time to bring out your co-stars, an object of your temptation, and taunting Reeve Carney and Eva Noblezada. Come home with me. Who are you? The man who's going to marry you. Amorphius. Is he always like this? Yes. I'm Eurydice. Your name is like a melody. A singer. Is that what you are? 
also played a liar. Oh, a liar and a player too. Woo! Join us. Hello. Hi. Hey. Thanks so much for joining us. It's weird getting up here because from the back, everything's reversed because we're sitting behind the projector. So it, it, I'm really tripped out right now that you guys aren't actually over on this side. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all now, it's back to the right order. Hopefully. We were just talking uh, with your, your fates uh, about how the roles were reimagined um, from Greek mythology into this show. Um, how does... Hades Town reimagined the characters of Orpheus and Eurydice from the mythology to this musical? Well, I think Aeneas, um, I sort of view it in a similar way. I, I actually don't know that I view it in a similar way to Aeneas, but whenever I'm approaching any sort of character, because I've had the opportunity to play a few characters that are not like fully human, I guess, and I guess Orpheus is maybe an, another one of those. Um, but it's always my goal to bring as much humanity to each character as we can because all of us are coming to see it, you know, these shows. And as far as I know, we don't have any Greek gods in the audience tonight, but maybe we do, maybe. <laughs> or this morning. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. So in that way, I guess, like what Joel was saying, you bring as much of yourself as you can to the character. That's what I'm working on. A song to fix what's wrong, take what's broken, make it whole. A song so beautiful It brings the world back into tune Back into time And all the flowers will bloom When you become my wife Follow up for both of you, what was your relationship to this myth before stepping into your roles? I knew that Orpheus played the liar and that Hades... Um, <laughs> I just saw Hercules, the animation. <laughs> so I just saw like... Hades with like a fire head. That's all I kind of knew. But I, I barely did research because I didn't really want to put too much pressure on myself subconsciously to try to copy or like make my character too epic because just like Reef said, and it was a perfect explanation, I wanted to try to bring as much humanity to Eurydice. And in the original myth, she doesn't say anything. She just kind of dies twice. <laughs> so I wanted to not do that. <laughs> Not die twice. Yeah, but at least have a say about it. Yeah. Is that, like, part of your process when you approach a role? Do you like to know little, a little bit, not very much about it, so that you can go in fresh? Or are you a researcher? It depends. For, for Hadestown, I obviously wanted to know, like, the basis of the myth. But I didn't, like, watch other productions because I would never, ever want to plagiarize other beautiful artistry and what the other actors had been doing for Eurydice. Um... But obviously, like for other roles, like if it's if it actually happened, like Vietnam War, I will do my research. Do you like her as a per like you know like do you who are you talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about a Eurydice. Like do you like your your relationship to her because you're obviously very close to the character. But what do you feel about her? What do you think about her? Is really the question I'm asking. I think we can all relate to every character. I think if you were to be in a different mood every day as, as the people here and go to see the show, you would relate to different characters if you really pinpointed their journey. Because sometimes you think, oh, this is the protagonist, this is the antagonist, these are the people that really fuel the antagonist, or these are the people that really tear down the hero of the show. We all relate to all of them in a way. For me, I relate to Eurydice quite a lot. Very grateful for Rachel and Anais to open the conversation and let us all kind of bring ourselves into these characters. But I think she's a... Fucking badass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad right. you said it, because she is. You know, she makes interesting choices. Sometimes she doesn't make good choices. Sometimes she does make good choices. But that's what I like about her, is that she's a little flawed. And I love flaw. She's flawed and strong. And I think those two things are very interesting. That's why you uh, like me. Yeah, that's why that's I love why you, you like yeah. Right. <laughs> flawed and strong. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I was at an early press event for the show, and I was struck by something that Rachel Chavkin said. Um, which was that the whole show rhymes and that every rhyme cost a lot. And I think what she was getting at in saying that is that um, you know, very often in a musical, the, the lyrics aren't poetry, but in Hadestown, they often are. And you know, poetry can be very terse, it can be very you know, awash in metaphor. Um, and this entire show is sung, which means all you have to build your characters are those lyrics. Mm -hmm. um, so how, how did you all, I guess we can open it up to everyone. How, how did you go about discovering the characters, which are archetypes, and, and putting actual meat on the bones 
um, using the lyrics as your only guide and then obviously working with the creative team. I, like I, I was saying before, I think starting with the text is really important for me. I like to, yeah. um, and, and the thing about this particular um, piece, I found it to be quite emotional. I think most people will say this in the cast and the company, but even on the page, it was quite uh, moving without even hearing the music, just, just reading um, the libretto. And so you definitely want to start with that. One of the things that's really interesting about this piece for me too, and I think all of us relate to this because we're all on stage so much and a lot of times we're not speaking, it feels a bit at times like uh, in those moments that it's almost like we're in a silent film and that's sort of the approach because you have to do so much with just your face or your body or um, with wordlessness. Even though there's so much beautiful poetry, Aeneas has left so much space for um, the actors to do things in moments of silence. And I, mm -hmm. I, I really love that about this piece because you don't get that. I, I have not had the opportunity to be a part of something like that in the musical theater idiom yeah. until mm -hmm. this. What was it like when you all heard the score for the first time? That was special. I mean, you, the, I think the five that came from London um, joined like a week later, I think, in rehearsals. And I think um, I was going to say this off of your last question, actually. There was a day where we all sat down and kind of read and sung through, not even like full out, but the libretto and the score. And I think um, our co-star, Eight Foot Tall Tim, Timothy Hughes, was actually saying this the other day. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, <laughs> we stand. Um, he was saying the other day that it was really special because they had been working so much on the material so quickly that when we all sat down as a cast and read it, no one really had, um, I guess, considered the ending. And we had gone through this whole book of just Aeneas's prophetic poetry together and singing it and just kind of getting to know each other. And then the last page happens and everyone's just like, oh my God. Um, but it's kind of crazy how we all had these emotional reactions, even though we were studying it and rehearsing it. And we weren't even on our feet. We were all sitting down at the table. Like that's how poignant her writing is. And some of the changes they made for Broadway and some of them were made in London, but, um, I love what they did. Uh, it's funny to say, I probably shouldn't say this, but why not? Wait For Me used to be my least favorite song on the show. It used to be. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah. Wow. But until, until there were some changes that, Aeneas made some brilliant changes that brought it into, it's kind of actually the thing I'm talking about that made the song for me is the thing that everyone sings online, that I see some of you guys doing all the Instagram videos for that that's what was added. That was the we part see that it was, all. That, that, was, uh, that, that was never a part of the song um, when we were in Edmonton, when Joel and I were up there. And, um, it, and, it, and the, the, there were certain things that weren't in there. So um, I, uh, that change and what they did then in turn with Wait For Me Too, I love, those changes were so, I mean, so those were not a part of the original score, but I love them so much. And the way the workers join in and everyone's, it's so cool. And audience fate, members, sorry. please don't go out there and say that Reeve Carney hates Wait For Me, because <laughs> he doesn't. No, I love Wait For Me, but, like, but initially it's just a funny little story, because um, it's, it shows, and Aeneas is actually putting out a book, about, uh, which is chronicling all of her versions of all of these songs throughout the past 12, 13 years, and so you'll see her works in progress, which is pretty cool. Wait for me, I'm coming, to about the music like I did um, a workshop back in 2015 and then one with you in 2017 and you know right away the music's beautiful like you hear it you're like oh that's a great song but there's something to now about just hearing it on its feet with like the orchestrations and I just have to shout out to like Todd Sikafoos and Michael Chorney who are the brilliant orchestrators mm -hmm. and Liam Robinson who did our vocal arrangement yeah because seeing that full, like having them just flesh it out into what it is is and it's really good. It's like sometimes on stage, like you hear death in the form of a harmonic 
with the strings and you're like, oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Like even now I'm still like floored by how perfect and how thoughtful every single instrumentation like instrument is you know so and one thing sorry one one last thing about the the music itself i hadn't heard ever a show a broadway show um, that celebrated such different textures of voices. Yeah. Um, there's no homogeneous thing. There's, there's zero homogeneous in, in, in Hades Town. Everybody is a unique, particular person, and we're such a band of unicorns. Everybody sounds so different, and that rarely happens. So that's the first thing that grabbed me and got me and, you know, to love this show. And it's beautifully preserved on the cast album, which I've been diving into very deeply this Same. past week. And uh, you're right. And you can, you, when you listen to it, you can really hear all the distinct voices on the recording and obviously in the theater. But speaking of music, um, most of you all play instruments in the show. As we now know, Kay plays the finger bells and the tambourine. I also play the piano in real life. Ah. So that also counts. You heard it here first. So... I want to ask you guys, you're, do, you know, you're not in a John Doyle production, but you're all playing instruments. What's it like doing double duty? <laughs> I mean, I personally, I play violin in the show, and I've played since I was three, so for me it's kind of second nature, and it's really fun to be able to incorporate that part of myself in the show. And um, yeah, I mean, it's really fun. I, I love it. Uh, I have to say I'm impressed when you uh, pirouette with your violin. Thank you. Thank you. That's a talent. Yeah, it's great to bring all those uh, those talents to the forefront once again. When I did the Canadian production of it, I am a violinist, so I played the violin in the Canadian production. But then when Broadway came along, they said, how, how about you learn the accordion? And I said, how about not? So <laughs> I had to, uh, but I didn't have a choice. And so. learn it, you did. <laughs> and learn it. Was I it did. hard to learn? Uh, yes. <laughs> the very first run through that we had, I remember in the, the rehearsal hall, we got through Any Way the Wind Blows, and I put the accordion down and did the rest of the run through without the accordion because it was just so much. Um, but what's great is that you never know what you can do until you try. So you persevere and you continue and you, and you do it. Mm. That is a good rule of life. Yes, yes. Absolutely. And Reeve, you play the guitar. Yeah, I've, I've been playing guitar for 25 years and I, um, I actually went to college for guitar. I went to University of Southern California, Thornton School of Music. Any, any of you guys out here know? But, um, <laughs> but I, I went there planning on, you know, that was my career path at the time. And, uh, but it is weird. It's, it's difficult to act while playing guitar, especially when y this other character is playing this instrument that you've played for so long. That's the part that's weird because obviously it's not particularly complicated stuff to play. Um, when, but it, it is weird, uh, when you have to not be thinking about that instrument at all and just be acting, you know, that's a bit, that's a bit tough, I guess. Yeah. Did you come into the role knowing that you'd play the guitar or was it added as part of it? Or during rehearsals? I, I did, yeah. I, I knew as soon as um, I got to the first workshop rehearsal. Yeah. Mm. Um, so there's a real range. You've been playing the guitar for 25 years. Um, you just picked up the accordion for this show. Uh, does this mean that your understudies also have to know these specific instruments? Yeah. And were they cast for that? Or is it everyone's just sort Not of learning? in their case. I think anyone, being, anyone in the Orpheus role, they have to. They have to, play, yeah. 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 I don't think with you guys, obviously with you, I mean, the fact that, I don't know how you learned that so quickly. Well, and then our understudies like Kimberly and Kayla had never played an accordion before. Right. Or, or violin. Or the violin. Or violin. Wow. So it's, yeah. Is there like a Broadway accordion teacher out there somewhere <laughs> teaching accordion? Crash to, course in accordion? Yeah. All the, Instagram, YouTube. the Broadway accordion teacher. <laughs> oh, follow that. <laughs> now, you're uh, nine months into this smash run, right? Really, congratulations. Woo! Um, can you educate our listeners a little bit about what changes nine months in, in your opinion? <laughs> I, I feel like Hades Town's a fine wine. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> like, we, we obviously, like, opened right on top of Tony season, and we were all kind of knackered, but also, like, we're trying as our best to, like, keep the family vibe in the building. Um, but it's obviously like a very emotional piece and, you know, it wears out our bodies and wears out our voices, but we have the best time. But I think as time went on where we didn't really have the pressure to be on outside of the show, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. we really were able to sit back and go, ah, cool, I can try this, I can do this. Actually, it's funny, I've been doing this show for so long and now like this one line makes more sense. Like, I feel like we all kind of like sat back and relaxed into the show and... Now it's 
Wow, that's interesting that, that now that you've been doing it for so long, you're discovering new things about particular lines yeah. that you read. That's, that's fascinating. Have you found that throughout your performance, things are changing because of that? I think um, you, you find yourself getting closer and closer to the truth. That's, that's what I think about... Uh, I felt that in other projects too, but especially in this project... Um, because there's so much room with all of the metaphor to, you know, there's so much that you can work with and you have a great opportunity but a great responsibility at the same time. And also, how many of you guys have seen Hadestown? <laughs> well, to be honest, we learned so much from you guys, really. Like, and that's part of what it is about being in such a long run. You, we feel, more than in, in shows I've been a part of before and even in pr previous versions, the audience here on Broadway and the Walter Kerr Theater we really feel you guys. It's it's pretty incredible. So it's uh, it feels like it's one unit, and it's not uh, so much us performing for you. It's uh, so I think that's that has to do with it. That that sort of is why we still are learning things because every audience is different. And part of that is the long run, but also the intimacy of the theater. I think would help with feeling connected to the audience. Correct? Definitely. And something I don't know. There's something about this show too that I feel. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but you can feel, you can you can almost see the energy between yeah. the in the negative space. It's it's pretty cool. This, I, I don't I think know the, what the quiet the like the when we were, you were saying before like the open space that the music provides and the text provides, and sometimes the fact that like there's like two bars of music where people are just being human on stage. That's opportunity for stage and audience to truly connect. It's like even though the stage is higher. It's, it's, we're still in this together. It's like, it's, I don't know, it's like, we're on this journey with you from the very beginning. Right. That's why um, the legendary Andre de Shields comes out and really has that moment of connection with, okay, well, I, <laughs> I, and like, yeah, exactly. He has that moment of, we're on this together, like looking everybody in the eye, which I think is very special. He, and he does truly set the tone for the show, yes. right? He comes out, he commands that stage like no other human being can. <laughs> And, it, and then I think that's very important to help guide everybody along, take everyone along on the journey. Mm -hmm. What I said in my review was, when you need a god, just hire a god to play a god. Right. Uh, well that's said. what they did with Andre de Shields. He you know? truly owns his own divinity. That's what Amber yeah. Gray says about Andre de Shields. Yeah, oh, that's great. I love that. So um, I have a question about teching the show, because it's a very technical show. Um, those of you, Jennifer, you've been through the tech process many times. It's, it's arduous, right? It's a, it's a, hard, it's a hard thing. Um, but specifically, you have a double turnstile. Is that the right way to describe it? It goes... Turntable. Yeah, it goes in, it, you have two alternating In a tracks, way, almost correct? triple, because there's a center ring as well. Right, which is yeah. the elevator. Yeah. So I guess my question... Which also turns. Yeah. Right, so it's three. All right. So it's three turntables that turn either in the same or opposite or, or conflicting directions. What is that like to learn how to be on? You said conflicting, so. <laughs> <laughs> I answered my own question. There you go. Excellent. It, you know, we, we had the chance in, oh, sorry. What was no, no, no. Good. It, we were fortunate that we had the chance in London. It was pretty amazing. We worked at the Royal National Theater, which is an incredible institution in London. And um, they... Uh, they just they take such good care of you. They, we had the the entire set, a version of our set with the the actual turntables in our, throughout our entire six week rehearsal process. So we had the chance to really learn the turntables. When we got to Broadway, these guys only had two weeks, or we had a week and a half. Even. We we it only had tech. a week and a half in tech, something crazy. But um, the one thing that did change for us, but you guys should talk more on it because it was more difficult for you guys because of that. But uh, the the set did shrink from London, so we the London people did have to get used to um, it being about three quarters the size. That, that made it a bit harder because you don't want to be looking down at your feet too much, but you have a pretty narrow path to walk. It's kind of daunting when you first start. You have to walk onto them a certain way. You have to exit them a certain way. You have to make sure it does not tackle you, that you are the boss of them. But <laughs> um, yeah, they were, they were troublemakers until we whipped them into shape. <laughs> I yeah. feel like if I had to do my job on one of those airport mover things, yeah. I would not be able to do my job. So I don't know how you guys do it. Well, at least that's straight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. And there's not fog. 
obstructing exactly. your view. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. no lights. Yeah, that's yeah, no lights. lights in your face yeah. are hard. Yeah. That's a real thing. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, since this is Broadway Con after all, and it's all about fans and stands, um, we're going to take some questions now from the diehard Hadestown fan base. So earlier this week, we solicited questions on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we got like a million responses. Jamie and I spent hours pouring through. <laughs> hours. Uh, and we collected our favorites. Um, so we thought it'd be fun to run through some of them with all of you. Um, some of them are quick questions. Some of them might be a little longer. Um, I'll kick us off with, I think, a pretty easy one. Um, at Julie's Rod Private on Instagram uh, writes, uh, what type of flower is the Hades Town flower? I can hear the audience whispering the answer. Yeah, should we say? Or just, yeah, oh, go for it. Yeah. You say. You say. It's it. a coronation. There you go. Did you all get your flowers? Did everyone get flowers out there? Oh, there you are. Hi. Well, it's interesting, Reeve. Uh, a lot of people were asking the question, whose hand is in the logo? They were like obsessed with it. Is yeah, it your was... hand? No, everyone asked me if it's mine. I, I, as far as I know, I, I, I wasn't really sure. I don't think it's mine, but I, I can tell by the fingernails it's not mine when I look closely. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so a uh, pressing question has been answered. It's not Reeve's hand. So Orpheus has a third hand we don't know about? <laughs> well, I don't know if it was supposed to be Orpheus's hand. That's the thing I'm not really clear on. Maybe well, he does. <laughs> well, actually, it could be it could be Hades' hand, right? You both have the yeah. flower trick. Yeah. Oh, we're getting to the bottom of it now, yeah, folks. Okay. Well, that's a that's a mystery we'll have to explain another day. Okay, this one is me. So, Haley St. James from Twitter asks, um, "You guys have been on Broadway for nearly a year now. What's the craziest part of the run so far?" Oh, oh, there are probably some good ones. <laughs> Wait, what does this mean? Because I, the first thing I think of is like things that go wrong on stage that are very exciting. Well, please dish. Would anyone like to hear one of those stories? Okay, don't yell at us, though. I'm scared. No, joking. I'm trying to think. There's so many good ones. Oh, come on. I mean, in a preview one time, Andre the Shield, his like feathers caught on fire. Oh, yeah. And I, he was like in way down Hadestown holding his umbrella. And that's when the fates are like, staged right or whatever so I happened to be there and I'm like huh it's kind of growing so I got up on stage and I did that she jumped up there she was like and I took it out with my hand y'all you did (laughs) that was crazy and now he calls me his guardian angel like he'll introduce me to people he's like this is my guardian angel like straight up it's really cute he's like a thank you for saving his life she said we have a witness (laughs) (laughs) All right. There uh, was one time they revolved in it. Sorry, no spoil. I mean, you, you, got, you know what happens. But there was one, <laughs> only one time this happened in previews when at the very end, the freaking middle turntable did not go down. <laughs> Who we was another, there? We have another How second. How many times? Wow. Is this the same person? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, actually, didn't even st- it was in the air still, and the face were still up on the platform. But you guys were up, there. and you had to figure out a way to get down. <laughs> It was so awkward because obviously, like, where am I supposed to go? So I was just like, it's me. Where is he? That was funny. For for your listeners at home, she just did an amazing small shuffle backwards. (laughs) Delicately as possible. A sensible chasse. All right. Any other horror stories? There have to be some. Uh, Tony Tony Day. We were very tired, yet very excited. And I walked on with the guitar and fell on the turntables. And that you can't fall nicely. Like, That's I literally, right. can, I, can I do this? Please Go do for it for us. <laughs> but I saved oh, the guitar. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and I have a scar to prove it. Uh, <laughs> that's right. it. I was so scared. I thought you fell down the stairs. It was really yeah, loud. It was so, it was so... <laughs> But she really did, guys. Like, keep it above her head. Yeah. I did. A nice I little like, fall not pose. the guitar. You're putting out fires. You're saving the guitar. I mean, the fates are really... I hope someone know, got a picture Saving of the that. day. Did anyone, anyone hope so? Did the audience, like, acknowledge your falling? Yeah. Or did they think it was know. part of the show? I don't remember anything but just keep the guitar in the air. <laughs> yeah, you did. Amazing. Save the guitar. Is it still in tune? Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is officially my favorite segment of this last hour. Um, are we safe to move on or any, yeah. any more? Okay. Oh, well, there's the one time. That, okay. Um, I'll just put this in. Uh, so the song Nothing Changes that the Fates sing. Oh, no, this uh, is good. Early on in, this, in previews, Andre DeShields used to give us our notes with the pitch pipe. 
Uh, it's taped at a it's taped at a particular note, an A flat, so you can't go wrong. Um, but somehow he played the wrong note. So, you know, the fates did what we do, our own thing. I decided to sing it in the note that he gave. Yvette decided to sing it in the original key. And I sing the middle part, so I was like, she didn't sing. (laughs) (laughs) But we found our way, and then Liam, our So eventually we got back on track, thanks to Liam coming in, but not after the first eight bars going by and not any particular key. Tell them, tell them though what Andre said during rehearsals. He would joke all the time that he's going to give us the wrong note. And he did it. He did. And he did. Well, and you still put out the fire on his arm. (laughs) Even after all of that. We love Andre. Um, All right. Well, let's move on uh, to Gabby 18. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. There's only one B. It might be Gabby 18, but I'm going to go with Gabby. Gabby 18 on Instagram writes, what does Reeve really write in Orpheus's notepad? Well, I don't know if I should reveal exactly what it is. Only because I'll tell you some of it, but um, you know, they're actually like for charity, uh, the Broadway flea market, they sell the notebooks. So if you guys ever want one, you can really find out what I read. But I mean, I'll say this, that I... I never like to do anything on stage. If I am visible to you guys, I do my absolute best to have no thoughts that Orpheus would not have. So anything in that book is something that Orpheus would be thinking rather than Reeve, you know? Um, So that's what I'll say about that. What does Orpheus think, Reeve? Well, you know... (laughs) That's another, some of those are secrets too. Those are private but, thoughts, right? You know, you know right. what I mean? Well, like, I tried. Yeah, we I take tried. our job seriously though. You know, we want to make sure that it's, I mean, as soon as I'm off stage, I'm Reeve again. But when, when we're on stage, we are, we are you're, these you're pure. people. Yeah. It's pure. Okay. That's nice. Alrighty. Um, well, I'm going to say this wrong, but Eleuthera Czar on Instagram writes, uh, favorite Greek god. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Want to go down the line? Everyone can share. Is there a I god don't... of food? That would be mine. Ina Garten. <laughs> Dionysus. Oh. Dionysus. <laughs> I don't. I don't we've, know we've that I, I. I don't really have an answer for that because I don't know enough about all of them to. I feel like I might not pick my actual favorite if I were to say something. If I were to research all of them, I'm, I'm really not sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's move on. We, um, but maybe you guys have answers. Okay. Anybody? I have... thought Athena was cool because she's like a warrior and a hunter. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> wow, we have Athena fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The In the house. We love a powerful woman. Yes. Um, all right. So we have an Instagram question, and that. Oh no, wait. You just asked that I one. I just asked that. Oh one. no, this is an Instagram question. Yeah, I'm not okay. wrong. Miss da- Ms. Daisy. Mr. Basil wants to know when you knew that the show would be huge. What was that moment? I, I know when I was in Canada, actually 2000, 2018, I knew that this show was special. I knew that it was going to go somewhere because it was so different and was in its own, like there was nothing, it was so original and moving all at the same time. Um, yeah, so I knew from then that something was going to happen with the show. Mm. I knew from a workshop, actually, when we, I got to hear um, the trombone riff at the beginning, which it was different thing because the order, but yeah, right? The trombone! But, <laughs> but I was like, man, that's so different. You don't hear that kind of sound on Broadway. And I, I just, I think anytime something is like a new offering on stage, you know, like, like that, it's like, it's going to be special, you know? I, I don't, I always love the show and you always are very hopeful. Well, not always. I, you, it's good to be hopeful, I think. But um, the uh, I think for me, there were many stages, but when Eva and I did this workshop, um, maybe it was March of 2018. I think March of 2018, there were some changes made that I said, oh, this is getting exciting. But that's back when Orpheus used to be, I don't know if any of you got to see it in London or off-Broadway, but it was a different character, like a quite different character that, that we were playing. And um, so, that, but I was excited by that. I mean, he used to be much more of like a tough, I always think he's, he's a, he was a bit like uh, Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. I don't know if you've seen that movie. But Orpheus used to be kind of like that. And, um, but I liked the changes to the book that were made in that workshop in March of 2018. But then again on Broadway, it was completely flipped because we arrived from London after having played it that way for so long. 
and they said, oh, now Orpheus is going to be delicate and naive and vulnerable. And I was like, oh, okay. So, <laughs> but I think that was that, I, I'm so glad that that's the way it is because I, I enjoy playing it this way so much more than I did the other way. Well, here's a fun question. Um, at E. Karma Abigail on Twitter writes, if you could play any other character from the show, who would it be and why? Yeah. Hades. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh. I don't know. But Hermes would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just don't catch on fire. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I yeah. mean, Hades used to be my answer too, just because I love his emotional arc, the way he like transforms is kind of amazing. Mm. Aw. Mm. For Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably say Hermes too. Yeah. Uh, a lot of Hermes left. Okay. <laughs> a thousand lives read on Instagram writes, what goes on backstage? During intermission. You don't want to know. You know, too much, <laughs> no, too much. we do. I just struggled with that name. Give me something. It's fun. We have fun. Yeah. We have to have fun because it's so hard. <laughs> do you rest, though? Rest? Just intermission, you mean? During intermission? <laughs> what is that? Just intermission. You have what's rest? Oh, do, well, there's not, we don't have that much. I mean, we, we, most of us have to change costumes, and then I eat an RX bar, usually. <laughs> and uh, Secrets. <laughs> I here. drink about... Yeah. I drink about 60 ounces of water per act, like before the act. Do you have water bottles placed backstage or? But okay. we don't get to leave stage really, so we have to drink it all like the military. We have to go like before you go into the desert kind of thing. It's like. Like a camel. Yeah. yeah. Has and you don't have to pee after, after the first I number. I want to know. What? And, and then hope you don't pants. have to pee after the first number. But sometimes, sometimes we have, have to, to really pee. Bad. Like there's yeah. actually one of my favorite parts of the show, which is actually kind of sad because we don't get, I don't get to see anybody because my dressing room is like at the freaking roof of the theater and I'm all by myself and I'm right by the bathroom. <laughs> but my favorite part of the show is before sometimes because I get to see the fates and we're always like waiting. There's two bathrooms downstairs and everyone's like using the bathroom. So it's like our time to like go to the bathroom and be like, hey, good to see you. Like make a joke. But that's the only time I get to see them backstage. <laughs> it's bathroom time. <laughs> Um, Grace Nat on Instagram asks, what message do you hope audiences get from your show? <laughs> hope. I mean, I think you have to really, uh, you have to realize, people often ask me what, uh, you, have you all seen the show or some of you haven't? Well, I'll just say, they ask why at the end, why do you do this? And I, tell them sort of, so you don't have to. I mean, that's, that's the way I feel about it. You, we don't have to do that. We really don't. I, I truly believe that. So I think that's, for me, that's one of the, there's so many messages, but me speaking as, you know, the person who plays Orpheus, I think that's the main takeaway for me, that you, you have the opportunity to learn from uh, the so-called mistakes of others or even your own. And it, I think it's really important to remember that and not, not to lose sight of the fact that there is still a chance to get to the, the place that you once dreamed you could, you could uh, eventually reach. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things that stick out to me as far as um, the message, if you will. One is that negative forces, even if they're just in our own heads, are very real. And to not give power to that because that will affect your fate, you know? And then the other thing, too, is that even if you're just, like whatever your current circumstances are, that every single person has the ability to create change just yeah. the way Orpheus did, even though it didn't necessarily work out, you know, maybe in the way he wanted, um, but he was still able to do kind of a really big thing so that um, that always like sticks with me. It's like, it's okay, just keep doing what you wanna do and you could help make the world, the world you wanna see, you know, the world you dream about. Yeah. I love that. That's very true. Um, oh, go ahead. You want another question? Yeah, Twitter why not? Question? Um, All right. A real quick one, and this is kind of a funny one, but um, at our brother of the underground, appropriately <laughs> enough, on Instagram, uh, writes, what you gonna do when the chips are down? <laughs> oh, that's what we're saying. Eva made a video. If they're delicious, you're still gonna eat them. <laughs> 
Fabulous. Okay. Well, maybe one last question, because um, I don't think there's a real okay. answer to that question. Um, is uh, Lauren Prescott on Instagram asked, um, what's been the most rewarding part of being able to take this production to Broadway? Oh, my gosh, man. The, uh, it's so fulfilling and to be able to create work that you love and, and to call it work and the people you work with, it's just very fulfilling to be able to form this family and tell such a story that's moving to both the audience and us at the same time. It's very transformative, every, perform every performance. There's something I can take away from, I'm sure the audience takes away from, and it's, it's just um, very beautiful to know that we can all share that all at the same time and walk away with something for, powerful. For me, this is my Broadway debut, so the fact that yes. this is how I <laughs> came to Broadway, like seriously, this was something in the works going on because I'd been trying to get here for many years from Canada and then I stopped after I had my child. And this uh, story came along at the perfect timing and the fact that it was also my son's first Broadway show is also <laughs> special. Aww. So it's just all the things. All the things. Great, well we have one final question that we ask everyone that comes on our show. And I would also encourage the audience to check out our show. We're available on iTunes and Spotify and wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also check out our social media at Fabulous Invalid. Um, and we have a website as well, fab thefabulousinvalid.com, where you can also go to listen to our episodes. However, we, um, I think we're at 60-something episodes, and we've asked every single person that's come on our show this question. Joelle, we'll start with you. And the question is, what was that thing or experience that made you want to work in the theater? Oh, I saw The Lion King. Lion King was it for me. Yeah. Excellent. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know. Um, being able to connect and, and make people laugh and feel something. Excellent. I can't remember what came first. I think I used to write plays for my sisters to be in. And we would like do these performances, not really knowing, oh, that's called theater. And so we would just do these shows. And then I saw Phantom of the Opera. When it came by, uh, I, was, I grew up in Miami, and I was like, this is amazing. This is so, so magical. So that kind of did it for me. Which I believe Phantom of the Opera celebrates an anniversary today. Is that today? correct? Oh, 32 yes. years on Broadway. That's right. So, yeah, Phantom. Some love for Phantom. Some love for Phantom. Robin, I just saw it recently. Yeah. It, it's in great shape. That Go. chandelier is still thrilling, I can report. Yeah, it's still <laughs> false. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's still false. Um, Spoiler alert. <laughs> Eva, what was the show or experience that made you want to work in the theater? I actually wanted to be an opera singer first, and the first thing I saw was Phantom, wow. like ever. When I was like, it was like a clip, and then I, I got the movie, and then I remember like putting like a blanket on my shoulders and singing Wishing You Were Someone Here Again, and then my mom once had a migraine, and she opened the door, and she was like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the first theater experience I actually saw that I cried, I was nine years old, was Lion King. The first uh, musical I ever saw, and it was on Broadway, it was Cats in 1987. Woo! And so that, I think that has to do with some of the fabric of what's, you know, why I wanted to do this. But, um, but I think another big part of it, because I, I initially thought I'd be a musician and, that was, and an actor as well, but not, I didn't ever think of combining them because I did a little bit of both as a kid, but um, not musical theater necessarily, or... Definitely, I hadn't done musical theater at that point. Actually, no, I was in South Pacific when I was 10. So actually, I did do that, but that was like at school. But I think an, uh, one of the big things was going to, I, went, I had the chance to go to a, uh, an incredible performing arts academy called the Hamilton Academy of Music in Los Angeles. Have you guys heard of that? It, it's now called AMPA, Academy of Music Performing Arts. I think because Hamilton the Musical is so popular, they couldn't be Googled anymore, so they changed it. <laughs> but honestly, I think this is maybe the moment for me I was going into the ninth grade, and this school would put on, in the 90s, it was putting on like $100,000 productions because they had an incredible group of people that would donate money, and they really believed in these kids. And so there was a production of uh, Guys and Dolls in 1997 at my high school that I was entering that next year, and it blew me away seeing the passion of these kids that were so talented and... Um, it was as good as anything that I had seen in a professional um, ex you know, realm. And so that, that might have been it for me, seeing guys and dolls at my high school. Support arts in the schools. Yes. If that isn't a clear example, right then and there, let's support art in the schools. Look, I lied. We have time for one more question. <laughs> 
So I'll start with you, Reef, and I'm going to ask everybody this. What do you guys do after the show to relax? Um, Uber Eats. Because <laughs> 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 you know what? It's like when you're, you know, you're putting a lot of energy forth. I love cooking, but after the show, I'm pretty tired. And like, not, I'm not tired in a bad way, but I don't really necessarily want to cook. So do a lot of that. And um, so I've been watching Stranger Things. Yeah, it's awesome. I finally, I'm like halfway through season two, so that's been cool. Eva, what do you do to relax? I was going to say Uber Eats. Yeah. All right, well. It's just like, it's tiring, man. I don't want to cook. Um, I've already watched Stranger Things. I love Stranger Things. But I just finished Bates Motel. Ooh, that's yeah, good. Yeah, that really messed me up. Yeah, that's good. It doesn't end well. No. Oh, I, no, spoiler alert. All right. Eva. Binge watch a show as well. I just finished You. Have you all seen It's so good. Uh, it's creepy. It's so creepy. It's way creepy. And I'm like, why am I fascinated by watching this like <laughs> psychopath killer who's like really charming? Like, what does this say about our society that yeah. we want to watch this? But That's a different podcast. That being said, I saw every episode and it was it's really fun actually now to like be in a schedule where you do have time to like like I would never binge watch shows before. And now I can. So I'm like <laughs> Thank God for Netflix. Um, Kay, what do you do to relax? Yes, um, so I get home and the first thing I get to do is see my amazing husband and my two pups. So we take them for their last outing of the evening and then we do Seamless, not Uber Eats. Ooh, I like Seamless uh -oh. too. I feel a fight brewing. That's right. Does anybody do Try Caviar? What? You know, I haven't tried it. Try Caviar? No. Good. Oh, it's like fancy seamless. Yeah. Ooh. You can get you fancy. That's yeah. yeah. Well. <laughs> you can get like any restaurant practically in, in New York. It's a little more expensive. There's a service fee, but if you're craving something that's outside of your range, <laughs> oh. try caviar. Well, Uber Eats has coupons. All right. Well. <laughs> Mic drop. So does seamless. Oh, <laughs> I feel like we all need to move back. You're about to start snapping, you know? Oh, um, it takes me a, a while to get home. I sleep when my 40-minute commute to Brooklyn, and, um, and then I sleep some more. I yeah, I go, I go straight to bed when I get home. I'm tired. I'm tired. So what we've learned is sleep and eat. Just good. There you go. You all work very, very hard eight shows a week, and you deserve to binge watch sleep <laughs> and eat. Well, thank you so much for coming on thank our show. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yeah. All right. We're done. All right. Thank, thank you very and much, thank everyone. Thank you so much, Broderick Thanks for having me. Yeah. Rob here with You May Be Wondering. Jamie, Jennifer, and I had a blast bringing The Fabulous Invalid to BroadwayCon as one of 25 live events hosted by our fellow podcasts on the Broadway Podcast Network. I'm sure at least one person listening to this podcast may be wondering, what exactly is BroadwayCon? Well, have you heard of Comic-Con? If so, it's kind of like that, but for Broadway. If you still don't know what I mean, BroadwayCon is an annual convention held in New York City for fans of all things Broadway. Over the course of three jam-packed days at the Hilton Hotel in Midtown, fans come together to celebrate their shared passions and revel in the magic that is the theater by meeting and interacting with their favorite Broadway stars and with each other, often in costumes representing characters from their favorite shows. Each day is filled with panels, performances, interviews, workshops, and sing-alongs, including preview performances from current and upcoming Broadway shows, conversations with cast and creatives like our panel about Hadestown, and discussions featuring the industry's top practitioners. There's even a cosplay contest on the last day, signing tables for autographs, and a marketplace for buying merchandise and memorabilia, and learning about different arts organizations and products. Produced by Mischief Management and attended by over 5,000 fans, this year was the fifth annual BroadwayCon. A festive mood pervades the atmosphere, and it's hard not to get a boost of energy from the attendees, most of whom are younger audience members, including teens and tweens. Six the Musical, which hasn't even started performances on Broadway yet, was the toast of the weekend, boasting a massive sing-along. And the kids from Sing Street, which opens this spring too, also made a splash, hosting an impromptu concert in the hallway. While strolling through the marketplace, Jennifer, Jamie, and I were thrilled to learn that we've been immortalized as caricatures on a Lights of Broadway show card, the baseball cards of Broadway, featuring our show and a second card from my other podcast, Stage Left, the podcast. Lights of Broadway show cards pay tribute to the new and notable on Broadway, as well as the legendary and revered. 
Each collectible card features a caricature of the person or people by artist Justin Squiggs Robertson on one side and information and fun facts about them on the other side of the card. And best of all, a portion of the proceeds from the sale of Lights of Broadway cards go to charities close to the collective heart of the Broadway community, including Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS and the Actors Fund. You can check them out at thelightsofbroadway.nyc. And if you're interested, you can find out more about BroadwayCon by visiting broadwaycon.com as well. We can't wait for next year. That's our show. Thanks for listening. You can hear us anytime on iTunes. The Fabulous Invalid is a production of O&M Etc. and The Fabulous Invalid LLC, and a proud member of the Broadway Podcast Network. Our theme music is by Lucky Chops. Today's episode was edited by Aaron Kaufman. Find us online at thefabulousinvalid.com and on social media at Fabulous Invalid and on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. And be sure to tune in next Wednesday. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.